0: I'm going to start this message that I'm going to finish tonight at five. First Sunday night is tonight, and uh, I plan to split this message up over both services today. So I'll, I'll, I'll walk you into the beginning of it in just a moment. But I, but, but before. before before I do that I cannot skip what's in my spirit because I just keep feeling like that there's a praise explosion in the house and if I gave you one more chance to just erupt in a little bit of praise just to put Jesus on the throne and the devil underfoot I just feel like somebody might come up out of where they're at and begin to lift up the name of Jesus and begin to bring the glory back to where it belongs Lord you're worthy Lord, you're good, and your mercy endures unto all generations. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of God. Oh, you're my rock and my high tower. You're my shelter in storm. You're my peace in conflict. Glory to your great name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's okay to feel God. It's really okay. It's really okay. I guarantee you're going to feel plenty of other stuff this week. We might as well start the week. Woo! I'm about to feel him right now. Glory to God. I mean, he's good. If all we did was praise him, he'd be worthy of it. Your good and your mercy endures. Glory to your great most high name. Hallelujah. This is indeed your house, Lord. This isn't even ours. This temple isn't even ours. It's yours because we were bought with a high price. And we're glorifying you in our bodies right now. Glory to the name of God. Glory to the name of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, anytime you need to erupt in a little praise break, you just go right ahead. But before I send you out of here, I'm going to deposit an opening thought about this word. And then you coming back. I just have crazy faith that I might just see every single one of you back tonight at 5 o'clock. To get the rest of this word. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. It says now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him." When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. How I many of you know when the king is troubled, everybody's troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The men described in this text were engaged in one endeavor and one endeavor only. It wasn't a diplomatic trip for them, although they could have taken such a trip. It wasn't a fact-finding venture. It wasn't a business trip. It wasn't a vacation. No, these wise men from the East had only one goal and one objective in mind. What is described in the opening verse of Matthew 2 was a worship journey. Tell somebody it's a worship journey. Uh, this is what I'm telling you about your life this morning. It may not always feel like it, but you are in a worship journey. That is what it is to be anyway. Now that you belong to God, now that you belong to Jesus Christ, now that your your life is His because He He's bought you with a price, and, and remember the Scripture says, therefore glorify God in your body. Your journey is a worship journey. Uh, well, Pastor, but my journey is a journey of difficulty. My journey's been a journey of pain and sorrow. I know that may be true, but in all of it, it is still a worship journey. Because in all of it, you are going to glorify God in your body. Because every step that you take and keep going is a testimony that God is alive and He's bigger than your enemies. And every obstacle that you overcome is an evidence that the one that is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So every step you take is a worship journey. That is the perspective. These men, you realize, could have been doing anything else. They were learned, they were wealthy. Of these facts, we cannot be in doubt. They could have been after anything. They could have been after a political gain, they could have been into a financial situation, they could have come to study with the great scholars of the land, they could have been doing any number of things, and yet these very important men to their culture were doing one thing only we saw a star rise and we may not be Jews but we know something about that star there's a Messiah behind that star and we have got to come and we've got to worship him do you realize these men laid aside everything they could have been doing they laid aside every endeavor that that could have been occupying their time they had responsibilities Uh, they quite possibly had families there were positions in the land where they came from that they occupied and they set all of that aside I to simply go worship Jesus. And I wonder today why it is that these non-Jews even would out-worship us who have been engrafted into the company of Israel and they would say, we're going to put everything on hold and we're going to go on a journey. We don't even know where it's going to end up yet because remember, they're just following a star. They don't even know where the end game of this is. They don't know what house they're going to end up at. They don't know if they're going to end up in a conflict in front of some other king because they come to Herod. They don't know and all they knew was, there's a king, and we've got to go worship him. What if that were to motivate every day of my life? I don't know what I'm going to see today. I don't know what I'm going to overcome. I don't know what's going to come in front of me, but I know one thing I'm going to do. This day, I'm going to find a way to worship the king, because I saw his star. It rose over my life. He brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. He saved me. He put my, fe- he- he put my feet on a firm foundation and established my going, and what I'm going to do no matter what else I do I'm going to worship him wherever I'm at that's our worship journey we ought to be challenged during this season where we're focused intently on the birth of Christ to make the journey of our lives all of its circumstances whether they be up or whether, they, see the beauty of what I experience in the landscape and the uh, of life Some of it up, some of it down. The beauty of it is it all gives me different perspectives from which to worship God. Because if he leads me tomorrow to a great mountaintop and if I get a phone call like Alex described, and I get a communication that may be an answer to great prayers and faith, and I ascend to a great mountain tomorrow, then on the top of that mountain I will declare that God has put me here, and He has broke through and answered prayer, and He is forever God, and He's my my provider, and He is my deliverer. But if tomorrow presents me challenges and pain and issues and difficulty, then that gives me a different perspective from which to worship him. Because at the bottom of the mountain, what I'll say is, Lord, even if you were to slay me, yet will I trust you. Because you have been good, you are good, and you always will be good. So it it, it just gives us, uh, whatever we find ourselves in, positionally in life, it gives us a different perspective, all of it to worship God. I know that we have things to do and accomplish In this life, we have responsibilities, all of us do. But the greatest responsibility of our lives is just to find Jesus and worship Him. Jesus said the first and the great commandment was this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You can do it if you're wealthy. You can do it if you're still yet struggling. You can do it if you're healthy or if you are fighting sickness. You, and I, by the way, I said fighting. If, you're, if the enemy's come at you as sickness, I hope that you've got enough fight in you to say, I may be down, but I'm not going to stay down forever. But, uh, but whether wherever you are, wherever you are, You can worship God. You can love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is something you can choose to do no matter where we are because some of us feel like we're not positioned to do the things for God we want to do, but you can always love him wherever you are. It doesn't matter. You can love him wholeheartedly wherever you find yourself and fulfill the great requirement. He didn't say fulfill the religious requirements or be at church a certain number of times. Or wear a cross around your neck. That's not what Jesus said. He said the great commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. That sounds to me like a life of worship. So here we are on this journey of life. We're all on it. And this journey of life is an entire worship journey. And then the truth of worship is also this. Worship itself is a journey your life is a worship journey but worship itself is a journey well it always has been throughout scripture Abraham traveled with Isaac to the mountain to worship is that what he said the child and I are going to go y'all to worship Moses told Pharaoh my people have got to be released to go into the desert to a journey because we're going to go out there and worship God it was a worship journey for the high priest it was a journey through the outer court, the inner court, the holy place, the most holy place. It was a journey. David walked out for us very clearly and transparently a worship journey when the ark and the presence of the Lord returned to Jerusalem. That was an entire journey, and it was all about worship. Every few steps, sacrifices. Every few steps, shouting and dancing and worshiping. Every few steps, Because worship itself is a journey. That means when you approach the Lord in your daily devotions, when we approach the Lord as we begin to sing and we begin to focus on the Lord during during a a season of worship in a church service, even that is itself a journey. It's a journey because there's a destination. I'm going somewhere. I get to enter into his gates. Hold, Hold on. We always enter into his gates with Thanksgiving. Oh hold back. One part of that scripture at a time. Did you see I get to enter into the gates of God? I get to go into where his glory is. I get to go in before the healer and the deliverer and the savior of all mankind. I get to be close to the, to the Jesus who saved me, the one who hung on the cross, came out of the tomb, then reached into my life and, and brought me out. I get to go into his presence. I get to go into the holy place to where there's nothing but fullness of joy. Yes, you get to enter into his gates. And if you want to do it, you do it with thanksgiving. And you enter into his courts. What a wonderful, beautiful picture that as you worship God, you're not just participating in a man-made attraction of a church service. I'm sorry if that's what religion has made you feel like, that that's what that is. And I'm sorry if that's what you've made it in your own prayer life. Well, it's a little part, you know, because I read that you worship five minutes and then you pray five minutes about this and you bring your, no, 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 no. You're going into the courts of the Lord. The Lord, the, the King, the Most High, the one who created absolutely every single thing. He knows about every cell on planet Earth and can describe them intricately because He created them intimately. You get to go into His courts. That's what worship is. That's what it, it's, it's a journey closer to, well, I, I have the presence of the Lord in me because I'm saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But I'm drawing near. Because James wrote to believers, not non-believers. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. That's people that already have Jesus, but he's, he's inviting us closer. And he says, if you want there to be more in me, you can pursue me and find me. In fact, the Old Testament even tells us if we seek him, we find him. If we call to him, he answers. So everything that we do is we worship the Lord. This is a journey. And my journey is the same one the wise men were on. We heard about Jesus, and we've got to get close, as close as we can get, because we want to lay everything we have at his feet. We want to make sure that he knows he's shown up on planet Earth. We want to make sure that he knows that we know he's the king, that we are not the king. It's not we three kings of Orient are. It's you are the one king, and we've come to worship you. That was the great journey. And wherever you worship and whenever it is, even if it's in a three-minute drive in your car, that brief moment can be glorious because you know this journey is me drawing near to my Father. And the beauty is, the guarantee is that when I draw near to Him, He draws near to me. So I leave you with this to think about. The Magi began their journey in verse 2 by responding to an invitation. Jesus' star had risen in the east and they saw it as an invitation to come and worship. Have you seized your invitation to come and worship? I don't mean become a church member. I don't mean just to have accepted Jesus as Lord. But have you heard the higher... Invitation from heaven to draw nigh to God so he draws nigh to you. To come boldly before the throne of grace. What was John the Revelator told when he looked into heaven and he heard the voice that said, come up here? He was invited to come up. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It sounds to me like with everything our God is, He is trying to communicate to mankind. I want you to draw near. I'm inviting you to come worship and fellowship with me. Do you realize that the greatest act of this was on the day that Jesus died? The four-inch thick fabric veil that had stood in the temple between everyone and the most holy place, the ark, the presence of God. On that great day when Jesus died and the land fell dark, you realize that of its own volition, that great veil surrendered to the majestic hand of God. You couldn't have torn that thing apart. Human hands could not have torn. There's not an animal alive that could have torn it apart. But it surrendered to the mighty hand of God from top, it says, to bottom. And just in case all throughout history we hadn't yet got the picture that God is drawing us in to be close with Him, He says, let me make it clear one last time. Here's what separated me from you forever. Now in the blood and in the broken body of Jesus, the veil has now been torn in two. And I can come out and you can come in. Draw near to me. How could I not? Take that invitation. What more can he do? There's an old song. Some of you know it. What more can he do? Oh, you don't know it. I got three people know the song. Brother Eugene knows my song, don't you? He laid the foundation. He opened up the way. What more can he do? What more could the king of glory do? Religion's going to tell you you're too far gone from God. People are going to tell you there's no God to approach. Circumstances are going to tell you you might as well stop trying because you've been trying to pray and things have not. And yet here's God saying, I have opened up the way. I have given you the blood to cleanse you so you can come right in. Draw near. And so that's, that's where I land now. We're going to talk about all of the rest of their journey tonight. But two parts of this invitation. Have you taken the invitation to come to Jesus? The one who can save your life and your soul, forgive you of sin and make you a new creation. Have you taken that invitation? And if you have, another invitation, he didn't say it stops there. He didn't ask the disciples that he collected along his journey. Just believe on me. And they say yes, and he walks on. No, no. He said, follow me. Come go with me. And Mark 3 says he ordained them to be apostles because first he wanted them to be with them and then to minister. To be with them? That's what the Lord wanted. Well, yeah, I've accepted the Lord, but you have accepted his invitation to continue in to worship continually, draw near all the way like these wise men to where you can walk away from that thing and say, I was in the house. I was there. I know what he sounds like. I know what he feels like. I know how he works because I drew all the way near in worship. Prayer team, go ahead and take your place, staff, and Prayer warriors, would you bow your heads with me this morning? Some are saying, Pastor, I do need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to come to God. I haven't brought my life to him, but I need to, and I want to today. When we stand, you're going to come and let one of these folks that stand around the front pray with you. Just tell them I'm coming to Jesus. There's others who today in your heart, you're saying, you know what? Lord, I want to fully take advantage of the torn veil and the invitation to draw nearer. I've drawn near, but I want to draw nearer. I want to continue my worship journey like these magi did, all the way into that very, very secret, intimate place with you. I want to come all the way. That's the two invitations. Some of you on that first invitation, when we stand, you need to come and let someone pray. Others, maybe you just need to come and stand behind them and just say, Lord, I've come to pursue. I've come to draw near. I've come to put other things behind me and out of my distraction, and I've come to know you like these wise men. And if that's you, if you've decided to pursue and go on in and to take that invitation to take the worship journey farther, when we stand, would you come to and begin to take that journey on your own? Are you ready? If you need to come for any reason, when we stand, let's come. Are you ready? Let's stand together. And if you need to come, let's come now. Father, everyone across the room, take a minute and just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to lift up Jesus. Just take your worship journey. But if you need to be at this front, you need to accept Jesus. Come on right now. And if you're saying today, I'm going to take this journey farther.